The Holy Gospel according to John, the sixth chapter. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate, and they died. But the one who eats this bread will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? But Jesus, being aware that his disciples were complaining about it, said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh is useless. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But among you there are some who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the first who were the ones that did not believe and who was the one that would betray him. And he said, For this reason I have told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted by the Father. Because of this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. So Jesus asked the twelve, Do you also wish to go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Think back to when you learned how to read, or maybe when your kids learned to read, if that's easier to remember. You learned the alphabet, the letters, their sounds alone, their sounds with other letters. You learned some easy words, the, and, if, cat, sat, and how they fit together to form easy sentences, see, spot, run. Eventually, over time, you learned more complex words, longer and more complex sentences. In these stressful times, it is important to understand the difference between correlation and causation. Maybe when you were first starting to learn to read, you found a big book, opened it, and were overwhelmed by all the words contained within. How were you ever going to learn to read something like this? It's a bit of a stretch, but I think it was sort of like this for some of Jesus' disciples. You're saying some really hard stuff, Jesus. I don't know who you think is going to believe all this, but I am not one of them. Peace out. And Jesus is saying some really hard stuff. Eat my flesh. Drink my blood. I am the bread of life. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood shall have eternal life. Eat me and live. Jesus' words seem to bump at that universal taboo against cannibalism. But that's if you're taking him literally, which, of course, none of us are, and neither were those first-century disciples. This was and is all understood as metaphor. Nobody was or is actually going to walk up to Jesus and take a bite out of him and enjoy some of that rib meat. 
This is about connecting Jesus's words with the word, God incarnate, God made flesh, or, you know, connecting Jesus's words, his references to scripture with himself. Think about when we pray the Lord's Prayer and say, give us our daily bread. Daily bread itself refers to all the things we need for life. Food, clothing, shelter, good, or as Luther would say, upright people, and so on. Daily bread is also scripture. Luther said this, and as one of my faves, Amy Jill Levine, a professor of New Testament and Jewish studies at Vanderbilt, has written, Daily bread cannot be separated from the word of God as encountered in the scripture. The gospel of John makes visceral when it connects the incarnate logos, the word, with bread. Jesus states, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I am the bread of life. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. One of the big differences between John's gospel and the other three is highlighted throughout John's sixth chapter. Whereas the writers of Matthew, Mark, and Luke use the Last Supper to have Jesus institute the Eucharist, Holy Communion, John's writer does not. The central event of the Last Supper in John's gospel is Jesus washing feet, demonstrating again servant leadership. Because throughout the fourth gospel, John's writer has portrayed Jesus's whole life, his entire self, as instituting the Eucharist. The Eucharist is then not a singular event or a thing that we do. It is a way of living. It is a way of living as God's holy people who have been fed with the overwhelming and incomprehensible love of God. This is one of those places where our human freedom to respond in faith meets God's gift of faith. God acts, God is active in the world, and we are responsible, we are free to respond to that divine activity, sharing it with one another and with our neighbors. We receive the gift of faith, and the gifts of faith, such as grace, in the bread and wine, in the flesh and blood of the Eucharistic meal. We take into our bodies Jesus, the bread of life, eating his flesh, drinking his blood, and having eternal life. And now we are responsible for responding to those divine gifts, that nourishment, by how we live. Are we living like we ate ice cream for dinner, feeling a rush of no longer having the hangries, but anticipating that crash? Or are we living like we ate a balanced meal full of protein and carbs and whatever else constitutes a balanced meal? Are we nourished to mentally and physically meet our neighbor where they are and to share with them the overwhelming abundance of God's love and to work with them to achieve God's will for all of creation on earth as in heaven? 
Following Jesus around were the Twelve and many others. He taught, preached, and spoke with them. He fed them. And it was easy to take a handful of bread and pass it on when, it was, when that was it. You want to say that's God? Okay, Jesus, I'll go with it. But it got harder when Jesus told them to be active, not passive, in their response to God's abundant feeding. You want me to what now, Jesus? Um, I think you're asking too much. Bye! But obviously that was not true for all of them. Jesus turns to the twelve, those closest students and followers, and asks them if they want to leave too. Simon Peter answers for them, who else is there? You say what we seek. You are the Holy One of God. Finally, after various followers and eavesdroppers throughout this whole chapter have complained, and they go back and, and express disbelief, they've rejected him, they've prepared him to be betrayed, finally, someone makes the confession of faith. There's no one else we can turn to. You have the words of eternal life. You are the Holy One of God. We know and believe this to be true. Simon Peter surrenders to the word of God. And we who confess to be believers and followers, who confess to be Christians, meaning of Christ, we are called to do likewise. We are called to surrender our doubts and our comforts to hear, to eat and drink, and to follow the word of God in easy and hard times alike. We are called to follow Jesus in loving one another like he loves us and to offer ourselves, our lives, as testimony to the abundance of God, which is obviously not often easy. We can read, see spot, see spot run. We know this and it's easy, but there's that big technical book on the shelf. It's hard to read and understand, but by living into the gift of reading, someday we'll be able to read it and we'll reap the gifts of reading. It's easy to be fed by the bread and wine of the Eucharist. It is hard to live nourished by Jesus, the bread of life, and to share that with all we meet. But to whom else can we turn? Who else has the words of eternal life? Amen.